Everyone has a story. I get them to tell it. Welcome to the Aaron Bender Podcast, conversations with media personalities about their personal and professional lives and journeys. Thank you so much for your support, whether you're watching on YouTube, IGTV, or streaming nightly at 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern at dbnatelevision.tv or the DBNA TV app on Amazon Fire, Roku, or Apple TV, or listening on your favorite platform. Before we get to my conversation with Sharon Tay, a little about my story. I'm a widowed dad of two girls who just lost their mom, a grieving husband, a man in recovery trying to reconnect with the world with fresh eyes, faith, and perspective, a college journalism professor, a white guy in a world of injustice, a 20-year broadcast media veteran who had his dream job and then lost it. Nearly two years ago, God gave me a gift, an opportunity to stop, step back, and breathe so I can learn about love, vulnerability, forgiveness, grace, self-care, patience, and understanding. Sharon Tay spent 30 years in TV news, most of it in Los Angeles at KTLA and CBS until she was swept up in last year's layoffs. She's taken that opportunity to pivot to her passion, real estate. Your journey starts in Singapore. Yes, I was born in Singapore. And um, when I was seven, I, I moved to the United States. I, I moved to New York, so immigrated to New York. Are you are you Singaporean? I mean, yes. okay, okay. Yeah. I've, I've been to Singapore once. It's been a long oh. time. It's been about a decade or so. Okay. And I mean, tell me, tell me if you feel like my, my assessment is correct in that Singapore is everything LA could have been and should have been had they done everything right. Right. <laughs> I mean, you've That's got right. the beach, you've got the transportation, you've got the industry, you've got the, the lifestyle. Yeah, it's, it's truly, but it's much more of a metropolis than, than LA. You know, I mean, we're talking a smaller peninsula, you know, it's a small, it's a city that's, that's very, um, it's, it's very, uh, there's, how do I say this? It's it's more cosmopolitan than LA. Yeah, yeah, that's much true. More. That's true. Much more. Um, so, when you think about your childhood, where do those memories take you to Singapore, to New York, uh, where, uh, to the to, I think to the Philippines for a time, right as well. Yeah, that was a short time. Um, so I have lived pretty much all uh, a lot uh, all over the world, uh, or have traveled there. Um, ever since I was young. So when I think of my childhood, it depends. Um, my dog's going to bark in a second. Okay. That's right. It's okay. It's all real life. It's fine. We leave it all in. Okay, good. Um, when I think of my childhood, when I was younger than seven, I think of Singapore, the night markets, um, the food sta- you know, stalls. Oh, the it hawkers markets are. Hawkers market. You call it hawkers, but now they call it the night markets, you know. Oh, the night markets. Okay. We've, we've advanced a little them. bit. Yes. Um, and I think they're fancier. <laughs> you know, <laughs> instead of sitting on an old drum, you sit on actually sit on a bench or something yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to eat food. Um, so that's what I think of. I think of, um, I think of powdered milk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think of, um, just going swimming at the Island Club, things like that. Um, when I come to the United States, I think of like cow's milk. <laughs> yeah. I think of flying in 
and seeing the Statue of Liberty into New York. You, you do remember that. Okay. I was going to ask, what, what do you remember about your move to the U.S.? Yeah. As I was on the plane with my father and my family, my father looked out the window. I remember him hovering over me as we looked out the windows. We were making the descent to, to uh, either Kennedy or LaGuardia. I can't remember. But um, he said, you know, that's the Statue of Liberty. And, and he said to me, he goes, we are now in, the, you know, in, in America. And it was such a moment, you know, and it was only seven then. It was such a moment because it meant so much. It really did. It was truly extraordinary because before I moved to um, the States, everyone in Singapore said, oh, you're going to America. You're going to America. Wow. It was just, there was such a, a luminescence with America, you know, and you're so fortunate to, to be going there. And yeah. And so when I arrived, I remember moving into Manhattan and saying, oh my God, this is like a completely different <laughs> world. Oh my gosh. So yeah, I tried my first McDonald's hamburger when I first came here and it was just, it was really cool. <laughs> you know, everything, all the American culture was cool. You, you know, you, you kind of, you put a child into a situation where it's like, okay, we're going to take you out of the only home, you know, and we're going to move you into a new place. But it sounds like everybody, including your family, painted this picture of, oh no, where we're going is going to be awesome. And, yeah. and you embraced that. No doubt. I mean, I was so young. I didn't know any better. <laughs> um, but my father came because he was in international business and his company, uh, which was in Singapore, also had a comp uh, an office, I think it was based or headquartered in New York in okay. Manhattan at the time. And that's why he was transferred from Singapore to, I'm sorry, from Singapore to um, the state. Well, that's the only way you can afford to live in Singapore, really, is work for yeah. a, a, a foreign company, work for like a, a, an American company with an office in Singapore. That's yeah. that's like the goal. That would be amazing. Yeah, that would be amazing. Singapore is very expensive. Oh, man. Uh, now. But I mean, back then it wasn't. You like know? Singapore and Hong Kong are, yeah. are they, they always vie for like the most expensive place to live in the world. Yeah, in the world. It truly is. Um, and, and it's just, but extraordinary, beautiful places. How was it growing up in New York? What, what, what are some things that you remember? Well, I remember um, watching TV um, and seeing an Asian journalist on television. And my father saying, oh, my gosh, look, there's there's an Asian. There, well, at that point, we were calling Oriental at the point. We were like, oh, there's an Oriental anchor, news anchor. And I said, yeah, you know, so young. I didn't know any 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 better. And um, and I remember that kind of stuck in my mind and, and just seeing Orientals or Asians in America was just a, a cool thing. I felt like I wasn't alone. You know, we we're like, yeah, there are our people here in America. It was, it was. Wow. I mean, just again, that idea of you embrace the idea and then you get here and you feel embraced as well. You feel like, wow, I, I, there's some representation. Yeah, there there were a lot of Asian people. I felt I felt comfortable. You know, I felt really comfortable. Um, I I we traveled a lot within the states. You know, we went to Colorado. We went to uh, we, my father really took us around the states to see America, and and it was to experience culture. That's what my my father was always terrific about that experience culture, whether it's um, domestically here in the States or, or worldwide. We've always traveled and, and immersed ourselves. 
And that was really a valuable life lesson, you know? It's interesting that I ask you about your, you know, your, your childhood memories in New York and you immediately go to what would eventually be your job as well. Yes. And, and perhaps you are, uh, you know, seen by a little boy or girl who is looking, wow, okay, wow, there's, there's somebody who, <laughs> who looks like me on TV. At what point did you feel like that's what you wanted to pursue? Was that was, call. yeah, that was your calling. I um, went to uh, boarding school in Massachusetts and for junior and senior year. And um, the, my English teacher said, boy, you really have a great voice. You should be a DJ. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. And I was like, you know, it was junior year of high school and, and I was like, okay, it sounds, you know, and I was like, okay. And I, that's kind of like, was another signal, you know, it was like another signal that it was kind of sent to me like a calling and, um, and I decided to pursue, then I was like teetering when I was, it was time to apply for college, teetering between applying as a journalism major or um, in something in the international arena, like political science. So when I graduated, I applied to different schools and um, decided to major in, and I got into BU, I got into Georgetown because Georgetown had a really strong international law program that I was really interested in, international relations program. So I decided to go to BU because I made that my major. My broadcasting was my major. This is a very well-known broadcasting school. Um, Majored in that and then minored in international relations at BU. And And that's it. It it sounds a lot like, of course, your dad had a lot of influence there, or at least Mm -hmm. uh, maybe not said, okay, you you need to also, you know, uh, uh, major in international relations, but the idea of, wow, you're, you're seeing him and you're seeing the lifestyle he leads in, in terms of being able to travel the world. Yeah, that looks pretty interesting too. Yeah, that would really, I mean, it, it's always been second nature. I mean, when I came to the States, I had an English accent, you know, uh, cause in Singapore we were, um, we were occupied by the British. When I say occupied, it sounds so warlike, but it's not. But it was run by the British. It was, yeah, was the British colony. Yeah, yeah the so. British colony. And so we were educated in the British school system. So when I came here, I had an English accent. So I was very, you know, worldly at the time, when even from young. Um, but my dad didn't have any say in, in terms of my broadcasting career. He wanted me, like all Asian dads, wanted me to be a doctor or a lawyer or a dentist. <laughs> And then when I told him about what I was going to do, he's like, okay, yeah, whatever, you know, and lo and behold, started doing this. How how did you convince him that, that, that would be okay? That, that, you know what, it's, you know, it's going to be okay. My dad never, I didn't never, I never had to convince him. This is my dog. Hi. (laughs) Um, oh, wow. I never, that is a huge dog. No, he, he he's, he's a big black lab. He's crazy. Uh, I never had to convince him. I think it was just like, whatever makes you happy, do it, you know, as long as it makes you happy. And I loved um, broadcasting because I loved the technical aspect of it and the writing of telling stories. And, you know, I love to write and I was such a creative thinker at the time when I was young and, and so I, that's how I, I got into it. And I just, you know, I'm going to pursue it. I, I felt like uh, I, I was also told high school, college, oh, you've got a great voice. You should do this, that, or the other. But it, it never really, I never really put two and two together until, for me, business didn't work out. Like I went to Mount Sac, 
for a few years. I was going to transfer to Cal State Fullerton on a business degree, and uh-huh. I was falling asleep in economics classes and accounting <laughs> classes. I'm like, okay, well, this is not for me if I'm doing this at the JC. And yeah. um, I, I decided to switch gears and uh, went into a couple of radio classes at the the junior college level and just fell in love, absolutely fell yeah. in love. And then I kind of learned that storytelling aspect of it. But it sounds like um, you you had that background already, that storytelling mm-hmm. background already. Um, at, at what point, uh, while you're at BU, do you feel like, okay, this absolutely was the right decision? Um, freshman, I was more goal-oriented because this is what I, that's what I wanted to do. So um, when I was in class in broadcasting, broadcasting school, I really was so bored because... <laughs> Back then, it wasn't practical. What they were teaching was everything was very theoretical. Oh, it's all theoretical, and, yes. And historical. So I was like, I don't care about yellow journalism. Yeah. I care about now. <laughs> I care about teach me how to do this now. That's what I wanted to learn. So I would go to class, almost fall asleep. and But then I knew, I found a cable company that did news, a small broadcast, and it was located in the school and it was run by students, yet there was a, a, a more, it was an anchor that was more experienced, you know, he was, he was grown up. <laughs> and so was the news director, he was grown up and an assignment editor who was a graduate student. And I walked in there at fresh, fr- during freshman year and after, literally after two weeks after school started, and I said, teach me how to do this. And they couldn't accommodate me as an intern because I wasn't old enough. You know, you had to be a junior and senior to qualify oh, okay. for the program. So I said, I'll volunteer. I'll work. I'll sweep floors. I'll do whatever you want me to do. You know, I just, I just want to learn how to do this. And I said, how to do this as opposed to, I want to learn journalism. No, just teach me right. how to do it. I can learn journalism at, uh, at school in the classes yeah. I'm falling asleep in. Here, right. I want to learn how to be a broadcaster. Yeah, I want to be a broadcaster. I want to learn how to write. That's, that was the key. Yeah. So they didn't hire me. I just volunteered. Just kept showing up and they're like, fine. I kept showing up and I I was like, okay, I'm ready to do this. (laughs) And um, they, at that point we had typewriters and we were, you know, transcribing or not transcribing because that would be plagiarism. Um, We would take news articles. We would create a formulate, uh, create a newscast. Repurpose. Repurpose. That's, that's the word that I throw out there. Yes. I'm repurposing. Writing, you know, writing, uh, writing broadcast VOs, voiceovers um, from long articles. Yeah. Took me six hours to to do a story. Oh yeah, <laughs> that started. That sounds about and right. Then, right, and then now I'm like, ah, you know, no problem. It was just like, <laughs> ah, as you get more experience, you just get to get quick faster at it. You mentioned that you were very goal oriented. What was the goal? Because as I left college, I was like, okay, two to three years in my first market, that was Fresno. Three to five years in my second market, that was Miami. And then I wanted to get back to LA. And that's what ended up happening. Did you leave college with a specific goal in mind? Yes, that I wanted to be a a, a news broadcaster. It didn't didn't matter where. It didn't matter where or or anything like that. Just, okay. It was a journey. And I took it step by step. And not because I wanted to be on TV or it wasn't because I wanted to be, I wanted fame and all that that comes with it. It was more, 
I like to tell stories and I love the technical aspects and how to put together a story and seeing it air, you know, that's, that's really cool. Um, so all through college, I learned how to write, produce, direct, edit, we edit, we edited on three quarter inch decks. Yes. Yes. Do you remember those? Yes, okay. absolutely. So I learned how to edit. I love the whole process of it. And, um, when I graduated, I could get, they would, they would, allow me to be in front of the camera. Cause when you were in school, you weren't allowed to be in front of the camera. Oh, okay. Yeah. So by the time, yeah. So by the time I graduated, I knew how to do everything behind the scenes. I even produced my own weekend show and all I had to learn was how to be on camera. And that was a huge, that was another huge mountain to climb yeah. because that's a completely, you know, different aspect of, of journalism, broadcast journalism. So, yeah. And that's how you get your first job. Was that out in California? Yeah, so I you shop your tape around and and you shop your resume around. The first um, offer I got was from Monterey in Monterey, California, with a CBS affiliate. Not a bad place I, to start. My no, goodness. it was better than I'm sorry, but better than Pocatello, <laughs> Idaho. Yes, better than, yes. <laughs> right. So I ended up going. I, I flew out to to Monterey. I bought a car when I got off the plane, a little Mazda 323, what I could afford for $187 a month. It was the payment on it, I remember. <laughs> and I uh, flew to San Jose, bought the car, drove to Monterey, California, and started my life here in California. Yeah. Did you think at that point, or even envision at that point, that you would eventually spend 90% of your career here? No. Like I said, my it was the journey, you know, it was just going on this journey and seeing it where, where it took me. It, it didn't matter where I was going. It was just matter that it, it mattered what I was doing, you know, as long as I was doing what I loved, that was the most important thing. That uh, said, did you feel like, wow, okay. Monterey straight to KTLA. Uh, yeah, that was a huge jump. Okay. So the magnitude huge. of it, you, you understood that at, at that time. Yeah. 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 When my agent said, you know, you're moving from 110 market to number two, I was like, okay. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and um, I, you know, and, and, and when I came down here, I realized the magnitude and the history, you know, the history, uh, the value of it here in Los Angeles to be a journalist here in Los Angeles at that age. And I was maybe 25, 26 at the time. That was young. Field reporter or anchor? Hired. I was a field reporter. Okay. Yeah. You remember your first live shot? No, I probably <laughs> messed it up. <laughs> You're like, no, I blocked that out. <laughs> <laughs> there are many times that I've blocked it. I've blocked out many things, um, but it was just truly, I mean, I was, my mentor at the time was Stan Chambers, you know? Oh, not a, and wow. Yeah, yeah, wow. it was cool. Cause I remember my first week in LA and I went out with him as a, as a reporter, um, to, to, I went out on stories with him. And just kind of get the lay of the land, shadow him. Yeah, for, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just so cool. Because he's the, the kindest, gentlest human being I'd ever met, you know, and, and, um, and then realized the history involved with his history in, in LA as a journalist and the stories that he covered it was truly remarkable, you know, and then working with Larry McCormick, amazing, Hal Fishman. He was always so kind, you know, and, and so, so helpful. Gosh, I can only imagine that first live shot where Hal throws it to you in the in the ten sure? o'clock news. Oh my gosh, I'm just I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about that. Yeah, right? It's just like Sharon. I'm like, 
okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm supposed to talk now. Well, I also came down, and when my, I think one of my first live shots were was um, the fires in Malibu a long time ago. Um, Pepperdine was on fire. It was behind me, and and I remember going out and covering that. And oh my god, I didn't even know what north, south, east, and west was. <laughs> it was asking me where where the direction of this fire. Where's it going? Uh, <laughs> that way. It's going that way. <laughs> I was like, uh, I, you know, I was like, quick, get out the map. It's like smoke and soot. And I had a bandana around my face and it was, it was truly an experience. You know, it really was. Uh, crossing town then to go to two and nine. Okay. Uh, so it, yeah, <laughs> in between I, I spent, um, I went to the morning show, uh, on the KTLA. Oh, yes, that's right. That's right. They just, they just celebrated, uh, an anniversary recently. Yeah. I the 30th you. anniversary. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I went to the morning show. I was better suited for the morning show because of my personality and I was young and it was just, I, I had a lot of personality when I was growing up and, uh, when I was growing up and, uh, worked on the morning show as the, um, early edition anchor. Um, I think it was between 5.30 and 7. 7 to 9 was the main show. I did the early edition with um, Emmett Miller. And I did, and I was a reporter, and I do all kinds of funny things with Sam on, on the morning show. The morning show then was, you know, I would say revolutionary. You know, it just put morning shows oh, totally. on the map, right? Yes. And print journalists couldn't handle it. They thought we weren't serious journalists. Well, guess who had the last laugh, you know? Yeah. So, so they would, there was always a, you know, butting of the heads. Um, we did something, it was bold. It was taking a risk, but it worked because it, it, so many people watched and it became the most popular morning show in, in LA and was the model for morning shows to come nationwide. Yeah, just so, the idea that it didn't have to originate from New York. You know, you yeah. didn't have to sign off at seven o'clock to go watch something that is three hours old and all and three thousand miles away. Right, and also the format too. I mean, the format was much more relaxed. You know, we yeah. we we showed our personality. We weren't just talking heads. We didn't deliver the news. We shared the news with you. You know, and on a more personable level, and that was the whole. That's, I think, one of the many things that made it successful and extraordinary was that we talked to people and they got to know us as, as people, not as just journalists, but as people. And they trusted us. A couple and of years. That, oh, go ahead. And then after that, I spent, um, I want to say, 11 years with KTLA as a whole. And um, then I got a job at MSNBC in New York uh, for a very short time. So they approached me with, um, hosting two entertainment shows. An offer you couldn't refuse, basically. An offer I couldn't yeah. refuse because I needed to go home. There was a reason why um, I took a lot of heat from you know the LA Times specifically from a couple of the writers uh, for being who I was, and it got real bad. What, what do you What do you mean, like being who you were? Meaning, like, I just try because I was myself. They just thought I was just a pretty talking, just, I remember uh, they did an article on newscasters in LA and I, they pulled myself and Lauren Sanchez up and 
they said, are they hiring newscasters because of their looks? And it decimated my, my, it just hurt a lot. You know, I got hurt and it was something that it was really tough to get over because it really shook my, my confidence. And it was really bad. And uh, because of the kind of show I did, I did a lot of like, we did skits, we did routines, you know, and then we we did stories and we made them very entertainment oriented. Well, you know, real journalists aren't supposed to be that way or look this way or, you know, um, act this way. So anyway, um, long story short, after that, I just, when I got the offer at MSNBC, I wanted to go back East. I need to get out of LA for a while. And, and, be home because that was where my family was, mm-hmm. where my roots. So I worked for MSNBC for two uh, for their two entertainment shows as their host, and then after six months, the show was canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't work, and I knew that. You know, I took the risk because I really wanted to work for Rick Kaplan. Rick Kaplan uh, was the one who created um, Nightline. You know. And he ran MSNBC and he's extremely well known in the journalism profession, uh, especially in New York on the national level. And he had took me in under his wing and he and he said, why don't you do these, do these shows for me? It's entertainment. And after six months, um, that show, those shows were canceled. Um, I took about a year and a half off just to chill and decided I, I needed to move back to California and move back to California and started actually entertained going into some doing to doing something else like real estate. Yeah. Just, to, just getting uh, out of, yeah, I was thinking of getting out of the business. Cause at that point it had been 16 years in the business and I was thinking of getting out, but then um, I had a, a nice meeting with CBS and KCAL and yeah. they wanted to hire me. And I said, okay, I'm going to give this a shot. You know, 13 years later, you know, um, it ends and here I am in real estate. <laughs> We, we talk a lot about mental health on the podcast and, you know, you, you've got that year and a half break between yeah. the short stint and MSM at MSNBC and going to uh, CBS here in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. It, it sounds as if, especially with the, the hit that you took even before going to New York, it sounds as if that year and a half was transformational for you. You needed that to kind of reconnect with yourself and who you were and what you wanted. Yeah. I needed to find myself again and, and, and sort of, you know, the experience I love working for KTLA was fun, but this is before, you know, bullying was, you know, um, highlighted people recognize what that is, you know, and, and we're not talking about bullying in the workplace. We're just talking about bullying from like just haters, you know. Right. Who it it sounds as if this was uh, not it's not the early days of Twitter, but it sounds like if Twitter yeah. was around, that's what it would look like. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just really it was it was bad. And um, I needed to find myself because I remember my mother saying to me when I moved back east, she goes, why? She goes, my friends are talking about you. And then she looked at me and she said, why do people, so many people hate you, you know? And when I said, and I said, I don't know why, you know, I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do. Um, I don't know why. And I, re- I didn't know why, you know, and, and I kind of needed that time to um, heal from all that pain. It was, it was a lot. 
what was that conversation like with with your mom? I mean, hearing those words come out of her mouth. Oh, it, it hurt. You know, it just broke me. I, I was like, my family thinks I'm being hated. I'm trying to make a living and trying to do my best, um, learning what I can from people and the, the business and trying to do my best. And it just there were, I, the haters really took a lot out of me. And And when my mom said that, you were like, wow, you know she's on the east coast and right you know and she's hearing this because it was all over the internet supposedly and it was after that time when the internet was just getting started you know people reading all the stuff about you you know all these bad articles that were written about you for no reason at all it's not like you did anything bad um and i just needed that time i needed a time to clear my head and focus on what and i really wanted to leave the business you know, and not come back ever again. Yeah. I mean, that that's at a time when now, again, we're talking about on this podcast, mental health is uh, a running theme, oh, yeah. but at that time, no, you, you didn't let on that something could break you. You didn't let on that something is, is hurting you or, or that you need to recover from something. You didn't, you didn't let on because as journalists, no, you needed to be uh, on, on all the time. <laughs> On point all the time. You and it wasn't cool to let your, you know, let the skeletons or the uh, the the negativity out. You right. know that you, you people couldn't see you were suffering in here. You know, in your heart, uh, it just wasn't cool to 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 share that. You know, with people. So you had to kind of pick yourself up and dust the dust yourself off and and move on. And and builds and that's how the strength build. Your inner strength starts to to build, and, and your resilience, you know, starts to build. You talk about you know you were part of uh, the KTLA Morning News, yeah. ushering in uh, a new era in yeah. morning television. And I feel yeah. also like you are uh, one of the pioneers in terms of making fashion part <laughs> of broadcast journalism. You know, I don't have, you know, it's so funny. I don't purposely, I have a, I love fashion. Don't get me wrong. I love fashion, but I love, you know, I, there's a style that I have that I like to follow. It's just very simple. You know, it's not complicated, <laughs> you know, it's just, I, I just, I, I never thought of it as like, oh, as myself as uh, let's put myself on a, on a, on this this um, platform of right. showing what I have to wear. I just, I literally pull from my closet. And <laughs> I mean, we don't have stylists. It wasn't that yeah. our clothes weren't paid for. I had to go sh- buy my clothes and I just love that creativity and, and what I have and how I can put something together. Well, yeah. I just, I just remember you. there was like, uh, uh, I mean, thinking back to one of the Oscars, there was a red dress or something like that, that I, yeah. that, that I, I feel like honestly, if we looked at all the different coverage of all the different award shows before mm-hmm. and since that was, I, I feel like that was a moment. Thank you. That red dress was, I don't even, I forgot who made it. I bought it. I don't know who made it, who the designer was, but I covered the Elton John party with that dress on. And I remember, um, yeah, it felt so good. It was different. <laughs> it felt good. Cause I was like a little bit of cleavage, you know, I, I wasn't trying to be sexy. I just love that style. I love that yeah. fashion. Yeah, it was just know? the idea that uh, journalists could also be part of the show. 
You know, it, it wasn't it wasn't wow. just like okay, all the fashion needs to be on the red carpet. Then us over oh. here, we're just we're we're dressing down because we're working. You know, no, we're just you know, normal people <laughs> that love clothes. <laughs> they love like I'm a woman first, you know, and I'm I'm a woman. I'm I do have parts. <laughs> parts. Yes, parts. You know, yes, women have legs. They like to show their legs. You know, it's not anything trying to. Yeah, for me at least, it wasn't trying to be like trying to be sexy. I think a woman has to be is is sexy when she's not trying to be sexy, you know. And so that's that's how I just I've always been that way. It's not trying to be anything I'm not. You know what I mean? So uh, you talked about your time at Channel Two last yeah. year, caught up in the layoffs that were company wide. Does that make yeah. it easier or more difficult? Like, oh, okay, I'm not going to take it personally because it was layoff, but at the same time, I just lost my job. Yeah, it's funny. Um, when they told me, I was like, what, what, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, huh? And, I, you know, I, I just kind of like, I was shocked when the shock wore off after, after three days. I don't get angry. You know, I wasn't angry. I'm not a bitter person. I'm like, it's time to pivot. Time to pivot. Okay. So, um, and, I said, I'm in the I'm, middle of a pandemic, mind you, it's not just I pivoting, but yeah. Yeah. In the middle of a pandemic where, um, no one was hiring the world came to a full stop, you right. know? So I used that time to say, I'm going to go follow my second passion and that's real estate. And what do I, what do I do? I have all this time. So I'm going to study. Okay. Make that time useful and study. And that's what I did. I, I, I started studying real estate and um, learned a lot. And I used that time to learn in between Zoom workouts. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, uh, and I took that isolation as a chance to grow myself, you know, expand my knowledge. Compare if you could. So you've got that year and a half off between MSNBC and uh, returning to Southern California. And then you've got this other break here between mm -hmm. being laid off from CBS and mm -hmm. starting this career in real estate. Compare those two times in your life because those are these breaks Pivotal. that will define the next decade. No doubt. And I'm glad you said that because back then it was just like, I went to Europe literally and just bummed around <laughs> last year i mean that was when i was in my 30s i want to say yeah my 30s yeah my late 30s i it was a different mindset then i just needed to break you know i just needed to break not comb my hair not put on makeup um go ride on a motorcycle for for days you know or spend it on the beach in europe somewhere you know i was in greece at the time and um I didn't think about the next step. I really didn't. And I should have, you know, but I didn't. I just, just did it. I just needed. Well, you weren't in a place to really think about what's next because you, no. you know, you, you've got this chapter that you just left behind KTLA and MSNBC where yeah. it almost broke you. Yeah, it broke me. Um, spiritually, I need to sort of mend myself. I needed to, I needed to focus on, on healing, you know, in a lot of ways. Um, so then when I left there, when I, and then I went to CBS and when after this, the, the difference between going back is the CBS, when I got laid off of CBS, I'm 50 something years old. Okay. I have a lot more wisdom, you know, I'm a lot smarter. 
um, I'm a lot more mature, you know, I'm a different person than I was when I was in my late thirties. And I knew that I needed to build something and do something else. If I'm going to make a pivot, I'm going to have to focus and, and really concentrate on it. And that's why I was just like, boom, let's hit the books. Let's do it. Let's just do it. Let's just do it. <laughs> it <laughs> I'm not going to, you know, did it I'm take you back to be you? you? Like, like just the idea of cracking open these books and, and yeah, it did. And going in to, to Berkshire Hathaway and saying, you know, I'm going to be, I, I'm going to have my license soon. And I, I walked in before I, before I got my license, I approached them and, and I was so grateful for them to say, yes, welcome, welcome, come work for us. Come, you know, That's come cool. have license with us. You have no, it was just been when they did their support has just been enormous and it made me feel it's really touched me in so many ways um, because of my history, you know, it was a welcoming place. It's been a welcoming place and, and, and I look forward to working with them. What has it yeah. been like? This market is just absolutely <laughs> crazy. It's yeah. so crazy. crazy. What has it been like entering this? And I'm sure you've talked with a bunch of your colleagues at Berkshire Hathaway about, yeah. you know, yeah, this, yeah. obviously this, this housing market is, not like, uh, you know, the last five, 10, 15 years. Yeah. Uh, what have those conversations been like and how does it feel for you going into this market? It, well, it's scary going into it, but exciting at the same time, you know, so exciting. It's, um, it's I'm finding out that the market is, you know, everyone's saying it's a seller's market and indeed it is a seller's market. Um, is there a slight correction? Yeah, there's, it's, it's starting to correct itself a bit, you know? Um, so that's the kind of market I'm facing where it's, it's not, I want to say tapering off, but it's just, it's mellowing out a little bit. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And it's not so, quite Alpine steep. Yeah. It's, it's still <laughs> maybe, maybe the, uh, you know, maybe the Rockies. You know, so, right, so. right, right, right. So, I mean, the interest rates are great. It's a good time to buy. It's a good time to, you know, sell. But if you price your your house just right, um, a lot of homeowners um, tend to overprice. You know, their agents and them they tend to overprice, um, and are finding that their homes are sitting on the market and not getting as much as they want for it. You at, know, at a time so, when homes don't sit on the market, you know, yeah. five to ten days, I'm sure, is probably right. the average for but a now it's, properly priced home. Yes, but now it's it's tapering off. You know, it's just, I think everyone's just calming down and, and we're seeing that correction where it is sitting on the market. People, buyers are are hesitating a little bit more, you know, just waiting a little little longer again. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. You know, it's like the stock market up and down, up and down. I've got but, real uh, estate agents con uh, contacting me and say, hey, do you want to sell? Do you want to sell? And I was like, well, yeah. I've, I've thought about it because yeah, let's take advantage of these prices. But then- yeah to get into the next home, it's going to, it's going to be quote overpriced or it's going to be a, an elevated price unless I downsize and I'm right. not in a position to downsize. Yeah. No, I think that you can get into a house without, without paying over, you know, the uh, well, over too much for it. I right. should say, yeah. I think you can get to a house that's priced just right. If you work with the right agent, Hello. No. <laughs> <laughs> that would be Sharon but, Tay of Berkshire Hathaway. No, um, I, I think I, you just have to work with an agent that is um, reasonable with your needs and knows how to price it right for the market. And you know what? We're, you can always take it off the market if it doesn't work out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You can give it a shot. I say give it a shot. I say 
I say, list it, give it a shot, see what kind of nibbles you get and, and see if it works for you. Those numbers work for you. And if you want to move somewhere else, you think about like what you want, what's your dream, you know, and then work towards that dream and achieving your, your goals. And the idea also that, especially with the pandemic, it's shown that people can kind of, for many jobs, live anywhere and yeah. still do their job. And so you've got a lot of people leaving LA to, you know, go to Tennessee or go to Idaho, yeah. uh, go, to, go to Texas. Texas. Yes. Oh yeah. Nashville is so hot right now. I know. I know. I know. And Texas is too. I have some real estate friends in Houston. Oh my gosh. They're doing so well. Um, because a lot of um, people have moved just transplants, right? Yeah. Moving from LA, but, um, you know, things will bounce back. And I think it's, it's a great market, a great time to get into the market right now. Um, and just see what you can, and, and, and you know what, don't lose sight of your dreams, never lose sight of your dreams. And if you downsize, so what downsize, yeah. you know, I mean, we, we learn to live. One thing is just, I've learned over the years is that you can learn to live simply. You can downsize, but not necessarily downgrade. Okay. Oh, well done. Yes. I like that. Right? I like that. That's how I, I, I apply it to my life. I can downsize, but I don't want to downgrade. Yeah. So less is more. Just think of it that way. Right. How did you deal with the, um, the, the, the company kind of taking your identity away as a, as a news anchor, as a broadcast journalist, or did you get to the point mentally where you're like, you know, that's not my identity. It's just my job. Um, I've always known that, you know, I've always known that because I was, again, going back to KTLA, I did a show where you needed to be transparent as a, as a human being, you know, you had, to, what worked was being transparent because people loved it and they trusted it. It trusted you for it. You know, they don't feel like there was a wall between you. They felt like you were much more approachable. That's always been, that's always been my motto. It's always been my style, you know, of journalism um, to be as real as possible, you know, and, and, and professional at the same time. I think we just found our promo clip right there. Let me mark the tape 4310 promo clip. Perfect. All right, good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How can people contact you if they want to sell their home or they need somebody to help them find a home? Okay. Um, You can go to my website, Sharon Tay, T-A-Y-R-E.com. You can go to my website and um, just reach out to me on that contact form and I'll get back to you. Very cool. Good luck to you. I I love this. I want to say second career, but it sounds like it's just, it's you're grabbing onto a passion that's always been there and you finally have the, the, the time and the mental space really. And, and just a place in your life to do it. Yeah. I I think, I I think that um, you're constantly evolving and we as human beings are constantly evolving and you have, and, and sometimes the evolution could be scary, you know, no doubt. I mean, it's scary because you're doing something completely different from what you, you know, and what you've done for so many years. Um, but it's also growth that is extraordinary growth as a human being. I feel so much smarter. (laughs) (laughs) Well, just the idea, like, like here we are, wait, wait a minute. I can learn something new. I can learn, you know, a, a completely new career. Mm-hmm. That's huge. It's not, it's not too late. 
um, I'm willing to try it. You know, we'll see what happens. If I fall down, I'll get get back up, dust myself off, move to Spain, and just sit on the beach shack and drink <laughs> something, wine all day. Going but, back to uh, uh, not going to brush my hair, not going to do no, this. Yeah. To put makeup on or like that. But you know, give it a shot. Why not? You know, I want to. I want to end knowing that I can be something else other than what I was for so many years and do something I'm passionate about. Thank you, Sharon. I appreciate it. Thank you. You can watch this episode on YouTube and DBNA TV. Follow the Aaron Bender podcast on your favorite platforms and link to it at AaronBender.com. That's also where you can find all my social media. If you have guest ideas or comments, email me, AaronBenderMedia at gmail.com. Be well, and thanks for listening.